another pound of her prophetess, singer, actor, mother, cut it out. Proverbs 31, or 32, 34, 5, 6, whatever. Then comes family, right? And so, happy Father's Day. Thank you. Um, amazing Father. We don't, don't start shaking your head yes in agreement, all right? Our brother-in-law, who's, who's like our brothers here, hasn't always been an easy road, um, probably because of my fault. That's where you're not supposed to shake your head. You reminded me of that last night. We're we're talking about some stories on the golf course, um, but we've had some we've had some ups and downs. But um, God is good to bring restoration, and God is good to do amazing things um, in our lives. And so um, we all have fathers, and whether they've been good or bad, or they're all imperfect in some way. But um, we have a heavenly Father who loves us. But we also have natural fathers. And we pray that those relationships, that, that God does amazing work, and for those that God has already done, we, we give praise and honor to God for great fathers who have instilled a lot in us. Um, you know, one thing about my dad is um, he doesn't do that social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter. At least I don't think he does Twitter. He may have some Twitter handles or, or uh, Instagram stuff. We, we just don't know about it. But... Um, we brought him into the 1990s a couple months ago and gave him a, a dumb phone um, versus one of those other phones before that. So this one actually has a, a slide keyboard, you know, like the old ones. It was one of Carrie's old ones, and um, so it slides and actually has a keyboard where you can text. So now we're teaching him how to text. Um, but I keep getting all these text codes. You know how we text, like IDK? Like, I don't know, or LOL. So I'm getting these text codes, and, and I'm trying to figure out what are these text codes. And so I started compiling a list of some of the different text codes that I, that I get from him. Um, you know, my, my sister got um, married a couple weeks ago, and before we went up to the mountains, he texted me. He said, B-Y-O-T. You know, B-Y-O-T. Most times you say B-Y-O-B, bring your own beverage, right? He said, and I was like, Dad, what does that mean? And he said, uh, bring your own teeth. And so, uh, <laughs> one day he texts me, or I, I, maybe I texted him, I can't remember, but he said, I'm at the doctor getting a, getting a shot. And I'm like, do you got enough money to pay for this? He said, CBM. And I'm like, what's CBM? Covered by Medicare. <laughs> one day he texts me an FYI. Oh, no, F-W-I-W. And again, I'm like, question mark back. He said, he said forgot where I was. <laughs> Another day, I, I called him, and, and it went straight to voicemail. You know, usually it goes straight to voicemail. I mean, someone's rejected your call, right? And all of a sudden, I get, can't talk now, BFF. And I'm thinking, BFF? What, what is he talking about? I said, best friend fainted. And so... Uh, I sent him a joke one day, and he wrote back and said, L-M-D-O, laughing my dentures out. <laughs> no, I had to roast him a little bit this morning as, as well as toast him. And, you know, so hopefully you have some fun with people today and, and so forth. But um, God is good, amen. And 
this morning, what I want to just share, uh, Michael's going to come up and share too, we were kind of tag teaming a little bit this morning, is I put a title in this, just bless. You know, bless as a verb, basically, as a command, as an action, that we are to bless. And I want to talk about the power of blessing and honor and speaking life over people. But um, before we do that, I want to talk from the other side. And I just want to talk about um, what is the other side of blessing and honor, which would kind of be dishonor or, or shame, and particularly shame. Shame, I believe, is something that is somewhat of an epidemic in our society. Uh, guilt is closely related to that. Guilt and shame are different. To me, shame is something that is more focused upon the self, and, and I'll explain that in a second, whereas guilt focuses more upon behavior. And shame, basically, let me just give you a definition. I said shame, or, or this is how I, I word it, is an intense, painful feeling and experience that one is flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Let me say that again. It's a painful feeling or experience that someone feels. It's an intense, painful uh, feeling most of the time. And it's an experience or that feeling that, that one has to where when they are processing or they come out on the other side, they feel like they're flawed. They feel like there's, there's a major mistake within them, within who they are as a, as a person or the essence of who they are. Therefore, they feel unworthy of love and they feel unworthy of belonging. Shame, we carry shame with us in, in many different ways. And, and you know, the difference between shame and guilt, let me, let me kind of differentiate that, is you know, shame will say, I'm bad or I'm a mistake. Whereas guilt will say, hey, I, I messed up. I made a bad or I made a mistake. And, and it's more focused on behavior where shame gets to the core of a person. If I, if I make a mistake with you or if I, if I offend you in some way, shame would come and say to you, hey, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. I'm a loser. I may, I, I'm just worthless. Whereas guilt would come and say, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. So we see a difference there. Shame kind of gets more at the core. That's why I said it's more at the self of who we are. I don't know if any of you have ever watched these, these TED Talks. Anyone familiar with TED Talks? Um, you know, corporate, they're kind of corporate-based in a lot of ways. Um, motivational speaking or, or ways to run companies or, or ways to motivate employees, different things. You can find them all over YouTube. Um, Andy Wood, I know we've talked about them before. And, and, and all, I know Brandon knows some about them as well. We've, we've had some discussions. But there's this lady, Brene Brown, um, who did this TED Talk a few years ago on vulnerability. And uh, it's a funny story. There's another one that she follows up with it, and she kind of talks, uh, reflecting back on this talk about vulnerability. But she said the next day she felt all this shame um, because she was so vulnerable that it's, it wasn't guilt. It was just shame that I'm a loser, I'm a mistake, and all this. But she goes on in this TED Talk, and she begins to share that, that every person feels shame in some way. But men and women, she starts talking about some of the gender differences. Men and women feel shame in different ways. And, as, and she says this about women. She says, for women, shame is do it all. Do it perfectly. Never let them see you sweat. Shame for women is this web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who you're supposed to be. And she says it's a straitjacket. For men, she defines it really with one word or, or one little phrase, and it's never let them see you not sweat, never let them see you be weak. That when a man is perceived or they think they're weak in some way, 
that's when they begin to feel shame. Now, the antidote to that, I believe, is God's blessing. And, and, and the power that we have to bless and honor and speak life other other, other people. Romans uh, 10, 11, Paul talks to the Romans and he says this. He's quoting an Old Testament scripture. He says, now the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Everyone who believes on him, there we have it. No one who believes on him will be put to shame. You know what Paul's talking about here? This is this kind of the, the 9, 10, 11 chapters of Romans, which has a lot of different theology in it. But really what he's talking about in the context is, is that when we stand before God on Judgment Day, and, and as God the Father begins to read off on that Judgment Day um, all of our sin, there'll be no shame because Jesus Christ will step in and say, I paid the price for this one, this one, this one. The shame is on me. Whereas the one who doesn't know Christ will have to stand there and give an account for everything. And there will be a shame that comes upon them. Because at that point, they will realize, I'm unworthy, I'm unrighteous. I've, I've made mistakes. The power of believing in Christ, right? Even at that, that, on Judgment Day, He doesn't shame us. But I also think that an application for us today is it gets at the identity of who we are. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. You know, the enemy wants us to believe that we're a mistake, that we're a loser, that we're unworthy, that we're unrighteous, that what we did is unforgivable. The enemy hits us in many different ways. And, you know, there's gender difference I showed that he sometimes hits a a woman a little bit different than maybe he hits a man. He'll hit one man different than another man and one woman different than another one. But he knows how to come at us. And that's not to give power to the enemy because we know we have weapons of warfare. We know we have um, things to be able to combat that of the enemy. But the enemy will say, hey, you're not good enough. The enemy will say, hey, you started, you started your degree, but you didn't finish. You're a quitter. That bad relationship, that was really your fault. You know, those things happening growing up, they really were your fault. You could have prevented that stuff from happening. You're not beautiful. You're not smart. You're not talented enough. And really, if you begin to think about it, that's even what the world begins to speak to us. That's, that's what the world tells us. Because it is what a dog-eat-dog world. It, it is get above someone else. Tear someone down so that you look better. Tear someone down so that, that you can climb the corporate ladder. Tear someone down so that they don't look so perfect. And so the mess of your life, as we perceive it, isn't exposed or as ugly as someone else. God loves us. We're not a mistake. There's an identity issue that we have to understand. It comes from the word. I'm a son or I'm a daughter of true and living God. I'm chosen. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We've talked about identity numerous times, knowing who you are in Christ. Romans says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Why? Because Christ clothes us. And, and the scripture tells us that we have a confidence and a boldness to come to Abba Father, to come to God, who calls us friend, who calls us son, who calls us daughter. Isn't that awesome? And will not be put to shame. He loves us that much. I also think the antidote to shame is. It's honor and blessing. 
And I believe that what shame does is it begins to paralyze. But blessing, it empowers. That's kind of that buzzword these days. It empowers or it, or it strengthens us. What would it look like if we created an environment of honor and blessing in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, in, in, in restaurants, wherever we go that we're creating this, this environment where we choose to bless, we choose to honor, where we choose to speak life. It's different than what the world tells us. I think it would bring breakthrough. You know, God has a way of taking people who in their own mind were unqualified, they weren't ready, they weren't able, they were weak, they were whatever. We see it throughout the Bible. And God brings those people before him and he blesses them. And in their mind, they still may not be qualified or able or, or strong or whatever, but he says, now go and accomplish my purpose because I've blessed you. In fact, the, the main Hebrew word used for blessing, it conveys the idea of being strengthened or of our weakness being compensated for God's strength. It's an empowerment by God to do what he's called us to do in terms of our, our callings, but also maybe, maybe in, in specific assignments or, or, or certain things throughout the day that he wants us to do. But God brings these people like a Moses who said, I, 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 I can't speak because I stutter. And God says, I don't care. I'm empowering you. I'm blessing you to go. We see it with Abraham. We see it with, with Isaac. We see it with Jacob or, or Israel as his name became. We see it with Joseph. We see it with Gideon. We see it throughout. We see it with Mary who said, I'm just this girl. How will the Holy Spirit come upon me? I'm going to bring God into the world. and He does it with us as well. How many times have we said, God, I'm unqualified. God, I'm not ready. God, I'm not able. I'm too weak. You don't know what I have on my plate. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what my thought life is. And God says, I don't care about that. I want to bless you. I want to strengthen you and empower you to go out and accomplish what I've, what I've called you to do. Throughout Scripture, we see where God blesses people. From the very beginning, Genesis 1.22 says, so God blessed them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters of the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. God's blessing creation at this point. This is before Adam and Eve were even created. He's blessing the fish, and he's saying, go and multiply. He's telling the birds, go and multiply. He blesses them. A few verses later, we talked about this verse last week, Genesis 1.28, where God created Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. But that first line, God blessed them. He empowered them. He strengthened them. We see in Genesis 9, 1, God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. See, he's speaking blessing. He's speaking strength. He's speaking empowerment over them. He's speaking a charge over them. He's saying, my strength's going to be with you as you go and fill the earth. My strength's going to be with you, Adam and Eve, as you go and do what you've been called to do. Then in, in chapter 12, as, as the Lord is talking to Abram, before he, he changed his name to Abraham, he said in verse 1, go from your land, your relatives, your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I love this next part. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So not only is God blessing, but as he blesses, he makes our lives a blessing unto others, but also gives us the ability to begin to bless others and honor others and begin to speak life into others. You know, I looked through the account briefly and, and you can correct me if, if, I, if I missed this, but I didn't see where Abraham directly spoke blessing. But I think we can apply 
that he spoke blessing. There's a little bit at the end that implies that. But this situation in Genesis 14 with Melchizedek, Melchizedek comes to him and Melchizedek blesses Abraham. So now we're, we're seeing not only does God bless people, but he's given a charge over us to bless people. And in chapter 14, he says, He blessed him and said, Abraham is blessed by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And I give you praise to God Most High, who has handed over your enemies to you. Rebecca was blessed when she left the land of her parents and her family. And they said this in Genesis 24, They blessed Rebecca, saying to her, Our sister, may you become thousand upon ten thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies beginning to speak that blessing. Man, Rebecca, can you believe that? May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. May thousands upon ten, ten thousands. Man, that's a strong blessing. It's powerful. In Numbers, we, we see that um, God told Moses to tell Aaron, hey, I want you to bless Israel in this way. And at the end of chapter 6 of Numbers, we see in verse 20, the Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons how to bless the Israelites. Say to them, verse 24, may Yahweh bless you and protect you. May Yahweh, and, and this uses Yahweh, which is the covenant God, the relational God, that name. May Yahweh make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. May Yahweh look with favor on you and give you peace. So again, we see that blessing that is there, that, that we are called to bless, that we're called to honor. But the world says something else many times. Proverbs 18.21, most of us are probably familiar with this, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have the power of life and death, to speak life over something or to speak death over something, to speak life over someone or to speak death over someone. You know, we've seen movies, we've seen TV shows, we may, we've maybe read stuff about parenting or something, but, but that parent who speaks to their child and they say, you'll never make anything, you're just, you know, whatever and whatever, you know, it begins to kind of like make us cringe sometimes because it's death that's being spoken. But the one who speaks and says, hey, I see potential. Yeah, your behavior's off the chain. <laughs> you're breaking everything in sight. But God's given you a gift for something, I know. It's speaking that blessing. And we're charged with it. And what we begin to see is, is kind of two things that are very similar converging together. We see the blessing that God gives and speaks and empowers us to do and the power that we have to speak life coming together. And we're to speak life as we bless people. We're to speak life over not just our own selves or our own situations, but over others. You know, you can come up beside someone at work. Maybe they got their head down sleeping like Craig is here. No, I'm kidding, buddy. <laughs> and you just bless them. Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray rest over them in Jesus' name. Or, you know, we can do it real subtly. We don't have to lay hands on them. We can just speak it. What would it look like if we begin to create that environment? Because the world and our tendency and our habits is to do the opposite. I was talking to a young man Friday at lunch, and we were talking a little bit about this. And I said, look, if, if, if I say one thing about my wife that's not good, there's 99 things that are amazing, but yet I choose to focus on the one. Don't we choose to focus upon that one? 
instead of the 99 great things. We have coworkers, we have neighbors, we have friends, we have spouses, we have kids, we have whatever. And I know there's a fine line there. But sometimes we choose to focus on that one negative thing or two negative things, four negative things versus the 400 or 300 positive things. James tells us in chapter 3, he's talking about the tongue. He says in verse 5, So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. James doesn't pull any punches here. He's pretty straightforward. Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. And this isn't a discouragement. It's just a reality that our tongue is wild. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. And that hits pretty, uh, pretty much in the heart. How many times have I praised and then I turn around and cursing someone because they cut me off in traffic or, or because they didn't acknowledge me or because of whatever. And I'm so quick, just by nature, just by habit, to begin to speak something that's not uplifting and blessing and, and life-giving. Man, we have so many opportunities around us because we're, we're, we're around people. The world, it's people. The church and it's people. We don't speak life and we don't speak blessing. Well, what would it look like if we said, hey, no more. We're not going to be perfect, but no more. Let's begin to speak blessing over our enemies. Isn't that the essence of what, of what God said to love all people, to love and pray for your enemy? How do you pray for your enemy? Lord, send fire down on them. No, Lord, we pray a blessing. Lord, bless them. Heal the hurt that's there in their heart. May they come to know you. Just bless them. Prosper them financially. Prosper them with health. That's the way we're supposed to do it. What would it look like if we showed blessing and honor to those around us? As I said before, I think many times our, our tendency is to focus upon the negative. We formed a habit, and the habit is to, to not always speak that life. What would it look like? It would tear down walls. What would it look like in a corporate church setting? You know, there is no perfect church, right? Even, even the bride of Christ, the big C church, is, is not perfect because it's made up of imperfect people. But so many times we're so easy to kind of tear down the church. Well, that church right there, they're doing this, and this church is doing that. Man, are people coming to Christ? Are people being drawn to God? We should bless that and not always focus upon what they're not. Even in our own church, sometimes we, we will say things that, that are not so like, we're, we're not a perfect church. We never will be. But we can bless or we can say, well, it's not this and it's not that. Yeah, it's not this and not that because maybe that's what God's called us to be. But maybe we need to speak blessing and life over and God will begin to create that. We can bless each other. And that's what we're called to do. That's the essence of community is to bless. 
That's what I said earlier. We come and we get encouraged. We come and get recharged as we speak blessing upon each other, as we worship together. To come and say, how was your week? Man, not so good. Well, I'm praying for you. God bless this and God bless that. And that, that we're in community throughout the week, praying and blessing. The power of life and death, it's in our tongue. Let's speak life. Let's speak blessing. And I believe that's why we bless. I also believe there's specific times, certain times that, that we, we impart a blessing to others. You know, my, my sister got married a couple weeks ago, and, and there's a form that, because we're in the Episcopal Church, there's this whole form of, of service, and, and um, at the end there's a prayer, a blessing. But I said, you know what? This might be the only time I ever do a, a wedding in the Episcopal Church, and, and, the, and the father, the rector wasn't there anyway, so let me just slide in Numbers chapter 6 over them and just bless them and said, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious. May the Lord look on favor with you and give you peace. It's a time of blessing. First of May, we had a blessing here as, as we had a baby dedication. And each child that, that we took, and we begin just to bless them. May the Lord keep them. May the Lord bless them. May the Lord call forth that destiny. May the Lord call forth whatever. There's birthday blessings. There's graduate. There's all these different times that we bless. There's a manhood blessing sometimes, and, and even a womanhood blessing that, that I believe is just as important of fathers and, and moms, particularly fathers beginning to, to impart that blessing to others. And as Michael and I were talking um, a couple, well, I don't know if it was a couple weeks ago, but a month or so ago, we were, we were beginning to think about Father's Day and what can we do to honor men, fathers, but men, because I believe all men are fathers, natural and spiritual, natural and spiritual. I believe all women are mothers, natural and spiritual. But I thought, what an opportunity we have to bring all our men together and impart a blessing. And so uh, Michael's going to come and share some about blessing and, and, and that impartation and all. And, and then we're going to do something here at the end just to bless people. So I'm going to uh, be brief here. I do want to share a scripture from Psalms 106. So let me find it here. <clears throat> Basically, I just want to um, use the scripture to talk about the heart of the father, which then becomes the heart of us as fathers. And so here... This is basically a synopsis of God dealing with the children of Israel back in the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, let's start. Uh, we're going to read verses 6 through 14 to begin with. Uh, let's see. It says, we have sinned even as our fathers did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our fathers were in Egypt, <clears throat> they gave no thought to your miracles they did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his namesake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He, he saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. 
Then they believed his promises and sang his praises. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland, they put God to the test. This scenario happened over and over and over and over again with God and the children of Israel. And unfortunately, it happens with us many times in the same way. God blesses us. We're walking with God. We stray from God. Things happen. We cry out to God. God saves us, and the cycle returns. Now, that's not always the case, but it happens that way a lot of times. And then I want to um, finish this up with verses 39 through 46. <clears throat> they defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Therefore, the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He handed them over to the nations, and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion, and they wasted away in their sin. But he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. He caused them to be pitied by all who held them captive. And so the point I want to make here is that the Father's heart is that even though we fail him, we stray, we sin, we turn from God, we don't do what he tells us to do, we do something that he tells us not to do, his heart is always open arms. Come, come to me, my people. Think of <clears throat> Adam and Eve in the garden and when they sinned. Who went looking for who? Adam and Eve didn't go looking for God. They ran and hid. God went looking for them. Okay. Um, think about the prodigal son who was set up in the household of his father, you know, to just really be blessed and have everything. But he went off and squandered everything he had. Okay. And then he came to his senses. And, but the scripture says that the father looked and saw his son coming from a long way off. And who ran to meet whom? The father ran out to meet the son and welcomed him. So the heart of the father, which men has got to be our heart, is that we're always open to love others, our children our wives, okay, people. We'll always have that unconditional love for others. And making this personal and bringing it to a close, um, just wanted to share with you, <clears throat> Cynthia and I came across the principle of the blessing many years ago while our children were young, and some of this I have shared here at the church before. But what we started doing was praying a prayer of blessing over our children every night when we would put them to bed. 
and in particularly me. And <clears throat> would also pray a prayer of blessing when they would leave to go to school in the morning um, or any time that I was leaving from them. And <clears throat> that really caught on, um, just saw the power of that um, at work in our home. However, everything wasn't beautiful and roses because um, <clears throat> when, since Benjamin goes to church here, I'll talk about Ben. And Ben is um, back in the back with the kids' quest today, which is probably good so he won't be embarrassed sitting in here. But anyway, but I did, I mentioned to him that I was going to share something. But um, Ben went through the rebellious period when he was between 14 and 17. And at that time, uh, in our home, not out in public, but in our home, it was a battleground between me and him. And uh, my wife thought many times that one of us was going to literally kill the other one. And, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, God brought us through. And today we have a beautiful relationship and love each other dearly. But I shared that because that started when he was around 14, and it lasted about three years. <laughs> My wife says 11. <laughs> okay. But anyway, <clears throat> but we did the blessing ceremony for Ben. We also did it for our daughter when she was 12. We did it for Ben when he was 13. And um, so I wanted to read to you the blessing that I wrote down, I t typed it up at that time for him, and we kept a record of it. And when we had the, his blessing ceremony, this was the one that I prayed over him. And I just wanted to share it with you, and um, <laughs> you will uh, notice some things in here that uh, stand out. My heart for you, son, is that you would be blessed with a growing, flourishing relationship with Jesus Christ, all the days of your life. I have truly found this to be the best thing that anyone could ever have, and I bless you with this today. I also bless you with true friends. Just like me, when I was your age, I have seen you suffer through loneliness and a lack of friends that you could trust. Have fun with, be yourself with, and that would encourage you in your Christian walk. But in God's time and in God's way, you will be blessed even as I have. I bless you today with much success in the world's marketplace. May you prosper in school, in your future educational endeavors, and financially. May you be a giver, and may you give cheerfully. And as you continue to receive much more than you could ever give, may you continue to bless those less fortunate than you. Finally, at the appointed time in your life, may God bless you with the wife of his choosing for you, and may you wait on his blessing. God grant you a wonderful marriage, and may the two of you be partners for life. May your children and your grandchildren be blessings and strength to your family, and may they bring joy to you and your family. May the Lord bless you and protect you, May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. Number six, 
24 through 26. So, um, you know, those of you who know Ben know about him working in the financial industry. And he just loves it. He does good at that. Um, you know, Joy is our daughter-in-law, who the Lord gave the two of them to each other. And uh, when I went back and read this this week, when I pulled it out of our file, I just started laughing when I was reading some of this because I had forgotten what was in here. But it was like, wow. But again, this was at 13, when he was 13. And then for me, the next three years were like from hell. Okay. And, uh, but uh, God brought us through. Yes, he did. And so now, you know, being here and seeing my son week for week after week, here at church with us, leading worship, being a leader in the church, you know, my heart is filled with pride. It really is. And uh, just watching what God is doing. And uh, so the power of the blessing is very real. It's very real. And I want you guys to take it seriously. And ladies, feel free to use it as well. It works for you just as much. All right. All right. What, what we'd like to do, you can stay up here.